Hey, hello, awesomers. It's uh, it's me. It's your old buddy, Steve Simonson. And today we're doing a Back Talk Live episode. And we're going to see if the bandwidth holds up in this uh, COVID wildfire mania world that we live in. Uh, hello to those folks who are joining early. And uh, hopefully you guys can hear me and see me. We're trying to upload at a higher bandwidth rate today. So hopefully my computer and the bandwidth and everything will be able to keep up. So if you are out there and you're on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or wherever you are, uh, go ahead and say hello. Tell me your name. Tell me where you are. Let me say hello to you. Um, for those listening to this recording, uh, we're going to talk about general news. We're going to talk about uh, important Amazon things, live Q&A with the, the Amazon world and the e-commerce world, as it were. Um, we're also going to talk about maybe some things that are important to me and, and just some of the the things that we see happening in the world at large, may even talk a little bit about sourcing. Uh, who knows? There's any number of topics that may be possible. Uh, if you need to see kind of a, a replay of this or uh, get access to this, awesomers.com slash 196. This is episode number 196. So all you have to do is go to awesomers.com slash 196. So for those uh, who are on, so I'm on StreamYard, which is a podcasting or uh, video broadcasting platform. So I can't see your comments on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever live, but I will be able to see uh, those into the comment section. So feel free to leave those. And I'm going to just talk a little bit about some of the things that are on my mind. So by the way, this is a full Backtalk Live episode, which means you guys can set the agenda. If you decide you want to talk about something, just put it in the comment, ask a question, it can be about e-commerce. It can be about, well, really, uh, you know, uh, what do they say? Ask me anything. It's just an AMA episode. I'm using acronyms and talk the way the cool kids talk. Uh, it's been a, a minute since I've been online uh, in this capacity. Uh, honestly, my schedule is both uh, berserk and busy, and uh, somehow yet I'm still bored out of my mind and uh, going insane being uh, in the COVID lockdown. So, uh I don't know how those two things can be true at one time that I'm both busier than I want to be. And yet somehow I am bored and feel disconnected from everything. But, uh, you know, hey, that's that's the way it is. And that's the way I see it. So uh, definitely, if you guys have a question, let's talk about it. I'm going to dive into a particular um, topic here just to get us started. And it's about the Amazon marketplace. And this was a recent article. Uh, and I'm going to share it here with you. It's Amazon Marketplace sellers sold 3.4 billion, that's with a B, uh, products in the last 12 months. So I want you guys to pay close attention. And let me see if I can share this on my screen. Bear with me just a moment since I'm a one-man show right now. Uh, okay, so you should be able to see this, this news article. So they, they tallied the data. This article just came out in July of 2020, so end of July 2020, and it's the beginning of September. And it talks about, you know, the, the, the year ending May 31st, so 2019 to year ending 2020, Amazon Marketplace sellers averaged 160000 in annual sales compared with, and this is the important part, $100,000 in the same prior uh, period a year earlier. Now, what does that mean? That means on average, now we're going to talk about some of the outlying cases and, and so forth, but on average, sales were up 60% uh, 
Uh, so <laughs> Amazon's number one defense for monopoly stuff and the FTC stuff, which we can talk about if you guys like, is what do you you know who's complaining? Sales are up uh, by on average for sellers by sixty percent, and no other platform, no other uh, place can can deliver that. So Amazon's got the the hero hat on, right? They they put their hero hat on and they feel really good. Now the folks that were completely suspended for for uh, uh, let's say illegitimate reasons, their sales are down a hundred percent. So there are two sides to this coin, and that uh, that remains uh, kind of a constant with Amazon. There's there's no easy way to 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 have Amazon see both sides of this coin, or or actually to, to express the Amazon story without showing both sides of the coin. So uh, they also went on to say uh, 450,000 sellers worldwide use Amazon fulfillment. That's Amazon FBA, 450,000 sellers. Now, I wonder what that number will look like six months from now or, or so when the next report comes out. Because as we all know, Amazon has had extraordinary pressure on their FBA infrastructure, right? They, they cut us off at a certain point. They're only doing essential items. Even Prime Shipping, and by the way, Prime Shipping, I'm a Prime member. I'm sure many of you are Prime members. What's the deal? I'll, I'll do my Jerry Seinfeld impression. What's the deal with seven-day Prime Shipping, right? I'm, I'm ordering stuff on Amazon, and I'm getting six days, seven days, sometimes longer. And that's now, after the pandemic. Uh, back in April, you know, you're getting March even. You're getting 30-day time frames. Sellers couldn't send in new stock. So that FBA system just kind of melted down. And I don't actually fault Amazon for it. I, it this is a, a legitimate problem when you just have too much stuff going through a limited pipe, right? And we all thought, or, or we think of Amazon, we tend to think of Amazon as a virtual, you know, unlimited upside. Uh, we can burst to whatever volume we need. They're really amazing. But they are constrained by the laws of physics like the rest of us. There's humans, there's you know, robots, there's forklifts, there's dock doors that they can load in and out of only a certain capacity. And so they have some legitimate issues to deal with. But the remedy for some of those constraints, especially as they prepare for the winter and the Q4 season, which could be a double whammy, right? Uh, early October is going to be Amazon Prime Day. Then you're going to have the cold and flu season, which means uh, potentially, you know, a more of a, a COVID second wave, if you believe those pundits, at least are preparing for it, regardless of your political uh, leanings or beliefs on that. Uh, and then, of course, you got the Q4 holiday. And that is, um, you know, the kind of a perfect storm of fulfillment uh, potential issues. And so even though in our own minds, we may see Amazon as a unlimited endless giant, right? They have an endless supply of everything. And, and listen, compared to it's on a relative basis, that's quite right. Compared to me, compared to the average seller, for sure, they have infinite resources and capabilities compared to us. But nothing is infinite, right? In, in the truth of it is nothing is infinite. Maybe space, maybe space is infinite. Don't I don't want to get into arguments about uh, what is and is infinite. But one thing is clear Amazon has limitations and constraints like we all do. So that's going to be a thing coming into Q4. So let, let's just take a look at some of these uh, uh, details as well here. So let's just uh, try to get rid of this little, 
little thing there. There you go. All right. So that we already talked about, they they grew um, on average from a hundred thousand to one hundred sixty thousand, which is not a lot of money annually. Although for an average seller, that's not a terrible thing. If your gross revenue is one hundred sixty thousand and your cost of goods is a reasonable uh, percentage, your cost of advertising is reasonable percentage. You can make a, a decent living at that, and that begins your ability to kind of position and grow. Uh, they also point out that sales, uh, U.S. sellers generating a million dollars in sales during the entire year and over grew my, by more than 20%. So at the bottom end of the spectrum, Amazon is growing faster than the top end of the spectrum. Uh, that's what those, th those data points would indicate. Now, the truth is it just means less people grew. I, I can tell you from my own non-scientific data collection that the larger sellers are selling more than they did before. Not necessarily 60%. I, I, I'm sure if you average it down, it might be in the, the 30 or 40% range, but they have a very large base of business to begin from. And there are exceptions. I know guys still double and triple, quadruple in their business annually. Uh, and that's, that's a great thing, but that doesn't last forever, right? It, generally over the laws uh, of economics over time, we'll, we'll see you round out. Uh, so I will just ask again, if you guys can hear me or see me, just post a comment real quick because I can't, I don't even know if I'm looking at the right screen. I can't see if I can see a bunch of people watching from time to time. It goes up and down depending on the channels. But if you're leaving a comment, I can't see those just yet. So please uh, leave a comment just so I can can see uh, who's there and what's happening. Your name, any questions you have, whatever. Uh, let's take a look. Can't post comments to some destinations. All right, well, that uh, that's instructive. Uh, I've got a little error on my screen uh, that implies that I may not be able to see what you guys are typing. So if that's the case, I apologize. I'll just ham an egg until I see something. Uh, okay, so here's uh, an interesting thing. U.S. sellers, this is just U.S. sellers, say that uh, they sold more than $3.1 million of exports uh, to outside of the United States. So U.S. sellers selling outside the United States, that's up from $2.4 billion. That's impressive. And Amazon business, which is a growing thing, believe me, is uh, running about $7 billion uh, for that last time period. Uh, Regina, nice to see you as well. It is uh, also good to see you. I think you're down in uh, Australia. So Welcome to those folks down under. I know I'm kind of going late on the West Coast. It's almost 7 p.m. Pacific time, which means, you know, probably a lot of people in the East Coast of the United States are are uh, sleepy or getting sleepy. The EU is probably pretty much um, put to bed uh, for the night. They won't be up for another four or five hours. But those of us here on the West Coast, uh, maybe Hawaii and uh, in Asia, you can uh, play along. We'll have some fun. I just I'm just kind of bored with the uh, the stuff that I'm seeing out there, and so I'm trying to put my own little uh, my own little spin. and And I certainly welcome you guys to have some input. Chuck, nice to see you as well. Um, <laughs> Regina's on lockdown. Uh, lockdown. Uh, I swear. Uh, somebody we were talking earlier today, and they're like, "Well, I'm playing apocalypse bingo, and the only thing I'm missing is a super volcano or a meteorite hitting the Earth." So uh, keep your eyes out for that, kids, because uh, that's a blackout bingo. That means you've had everything that could possibly go wrong in 2020 did go wrong. 
And uh, for those keeping score, uh, Marcos Ortega just posted the bubonic plague that is in some part of Lake Tahoe. So we're really got it all going for us, everybody. Um, nevertheless, uh, let's talk a little bit more about these numbers. So forgive me, I have to look onto another screen uh, so I can make sure I see you guys' comments. So um, the the gross merchandise value, the GMV, increased by a compound annual growth rate, a CAGR, you might see this referred to, by 37%, right? 37%. And that is, that's pretty, pretty nuts. I mean, honestly, that is a really, really rapid growth rate. And remember, we're talking about this is from 2019 um, June to 2020 May, or roughly uh, that time period. So it's the preceding 20 mo 12 months that ended May 31st, 2020. So just imagine what it's going to look like next year. That's the point I'm trying to get to is it was already glory days. And if you're in a decent category that's not completely, uh, you know, corona to death, then you have a good shot at uh, seeing extraordinary growth rates. So um, we could talk about some of the, you know, the marketplace sellers, percent of units sold. So we can see by quarter, what is the the rate? Maybe I'll just make this big so you guys don't have to fight to uh, see this. Bear with me. Let's see if I can zoom in a minute. Let's see if that works. No, it's fighting. Let's see if this helps to Zoom in. No, that didn't help. Oh, but that seemed to help. Okay. Uh, but it got rid of the percentage. Okay. So in Q1 2015, the seller's uh, percentage of units sold was down at 44%. And you can see Q1 of 2020 is a 52%. And with peak periods, you know, approaching 53 and 54%. That number is continuing to climb. Again, giving Amazon a FTC, I'm not a monopoly defense because they're saying, well, marketplace sellers continue to grow. And it's it's kind of a paradox. You know, Amazon has this, this monopoly pressure, but they also have this pressure to lower our prices. That That's a self-imposed pressure based on their own willingness to sacrifice our margin at no cost to them, right? Because they make money at any cost. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, run a sale and then try to get a lightning deal price and then come back to me and you'll see that they're willing to give away your product with no margin, even negative margins. Um, and that's okay. That's, you know, it's their sandbox. They can do whatever they want. Um, okay. So the, the bump of customers uh, that marketplace sellers talk about, or this particular study talks about is that everybody knows that Amazon is continue to increase their their um, consumer base, right? Everybody thinks that, well, everybody's got an Amazon account, but I can tell you my my eBay to Amazon overlap is only about 15 to 18%. So there's still more that Amazon could grow. And by the way, there's more that eBay could grow, obviously. But the truth is there are some of these sectors, whether it's eBay or Walmart or Amazon or whatever, that are unique and they have different um, customer populations, different reasons why customers buy. I, I wonder how many of you guys have bought something from, you know, uh, places other than Amazon. I, I'm going to assume most of you have at one time or another, let's say in the last six months, you've bought something somewhere else besides Amazon. And that's the opportunity that, that uh, these other marketplaces have. And if we 
if we could get another marketplace to be a good competitor with Amazon, then Amazon would reduce their oppressive policies and they would make it more fair. One of the first things that would be fair is, hey, how about every seller in the United States needs to have the proper um, tax registration? Now, I, at the risk of uh, annoying some of my Asian uh, friends and guests, it's not fair that people outside of the United States can spin up a hundred Amazon accounts. And we, for me to get one account, I have to have a unique uh, tax ID. I have to have a, a bank account that's unique. I have to have, you know, all these various things that are uh, different and they don't have to have any of that. That is not great. And that's something that you can rest assured the, the FTC investigation will focus on, but I digress. I digress. Okay, so here's what people are saying as a result of uh, COVID. What's happening with your sales as a result of COVID? And let's see if I can just get a little bit more there for you. Okay, so you see significant growth, right? So these might be COVID-friendly uh, areas, uh, PPE products, cleaning products, vitamins, things like that. Um, then there's some growth, 42%. 11% say about the same. So if we just add that up, so 53, so 75% about the same, and that leaves about 15%, some decline, significant decline. And I don't know if this means not answers or not applicable, like they didn't sell beforehand. I don't know. But what it tells us is that there, you know, there is somewhere around 20% of the, the folks that are seeing some or significant decline in their business. And this is, I mean, well, I have some of my businesses that are significantly impacted and they remain, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, hard to gauge. So in some states, and this is primarily United States business, some states, the states have kind of opened, other states they have not. Uh, for example, California is still largely on a, on a modified lockdown, uh, which really impacts. Uh, for example, if I sold things to hairdressing, hairdressers, and you have no hairdressers that are open for business, you're kind of screwed, right? Because that's the way it is. You, if you sold stuff to movie theaters and there's no movie theaters open, you, you got a problem, right? And so these types of things, and this has a trickle down effect, by the way, I, I don't want to, I don't want you guys to, to miss this point. The trickle down effect is the guys who sell stuff to the hair salons or the movie theaters, the other things, all of those people working there, if they don't have jobs or they feel otherwise kind of under duress, they may change their discretionary spending, right? And that means that what you sell to them, those people who work there or the downstream or upstream suppliers or customers, all of them may buy less stuff from us in the future. So it'll be really interesting to see in the next, I'd say, three to six months what happens. Uh, and there's there's a lot of COVID economics uh, that remain to be seen. Uh, okay, so you can see visits on Amazon were up 17%. Okay, and let's just let's just take some quick math. If visits are up 17%, but revenue is up to the sellers by 37%, that could mean one of two things. Both could be true. We're taking more market share from Amazon. Eh, marginal. It certainly doesn't account for the entire difference. Or just in general, that those customers are buying more on Amazon. Uh, those are the two gut feels that I have. And, and I think that 
people are buying more stuff on Amazon. Certainly in 2020, I think that's the case. They're aggregating more and more. And so you can see the average daily visits in millions, daily visits, 80 million in May. And, uh, and I think that everybody understands that during COVID that more and more people were driven online and that behavior is not going to go away in my, my opinion. Uh, so that's, that's the, that's the kind of the quick notes there. So let me just get rid of that. Uh, I, I'm curious if any of you guys went to the Amazon seller conference in early September and uh, what you thought of it and for everybody watching, say hello, say where you're at. And uh, I, I've already got uh, Chuck and Regina to check in. Good on you, uh, Regina. And uh, I'm going camping, Chuck. I tried to give it a, a Wisconsin flair there. Uh, I want to just figure out where you guys are at and, and see if you have any questions because, and I'm talking about questions of any kind. You want to talk about Q4, you want to talk about inventory, you want to talk about sourcing, um, you want to talk about how great Amazon is or why Amazon is uh, oppressing you? I'm open to any of that, but I, I'll just tell you, I'm I'm on here tonight, and I'm on here the the next you know uh, several uh, appearances based on kind of my own um, I don't know lack of seeing what I want to see out there. I, I'm not I don't see answers to some of my questions, and um, and I'm also feeling disconnected from my community. Uh, maybe you have felt the same way. Like, you know, I would normally be on podcasts or uh, not just podcasts. I would be doing uh, seminars and meetups and, and this and that. And I just haven't done that. And it's driving me insane. Uh, Aaron, hello. For I see you down in California. I think last time I saw you was in Iwu, China. Martin, Seattle. Well done, sir. Nice to see you. Cameron, uh, oh, let's get this one on the screen. Oh, I see, I forgot I'm, I'm allowed to do this stuff on the screen. Cameron says, hey, Steve, love your podcast. I'm in Shenzhen or Shenzhen. Uh, well done, Cameron. Thank you for the shout out. Uh, I assume that means you've left a five-star review proactively. I'm going to solicit that. Uh, here was Aaron and there's Martin. Now, how come those are only going in the small size? Give me a second, gang. I want to just see if uh, no, they're not they're not doing anything. Uh, so let's see. So uh, here's Oxy. She's over there in Prague, and that is an early time, early call there, uh, Oxy. Uh, good morning to you. Well, well done. And uh, Tony up there in Toronto, and he asked if I have most of my pr uh, products in the transparency program. It's a very good question, Tony. Uh, I'll cover that here in just a moment. So. First of all, let's level set on what is the transparency program. And I'm going to say, boy, at the risk of uh, breaking this whole thing, I'm going to just search for awesomers.com transparency. Got to finish that whole sentence or get unexpected results. Uh, transparency. Uh, okay, I think... <clears throat> Amazon Project Zero, where I cover some of the the um, transparency stuff. So I'm going to just post this for you guys. But for those listening who cannot see the screen, uh, awesomers.com slash 137 is a good place to go take a look. So uh, some of my products are in tra uh, transparency, uh, Tony. One of the things that I have a, a problem with is if we sell most of our products in an offline channel, 
Uh, let me give you an example. Um, what's something that's not going to violate one of my, <laughs> who knows how many uh, non-disclosure statements. Uh, all right, I'll make up something. Let's say I'm selling this pen to Staples. Uh, Staples is a customer of mine, so it's Office Depot and many of these big boxes. But if I'm going to sell a box of these pens on Staples, and I'm going to sell them a million boxes a year, and I'm going to sell 10000 on Amazon, the, the question is, should I pay the fees for my broader supply chain? Because for transparency to work, you got to label everything. Should I pay the fees for my entire stock? And my answer is, in those cases, probably not. If the cost for transparency is overweighted outside of Amazon. And also, it's a question of whether or not I have a piracy issue. So let's just back up for a minute and just discuss what's, what is uh, the transparency program. The quick version of it, and for those who want to dive in deeper, ask a question about it, but Amazon will give you a unique code for each individual item, a sticker essentially, that you need to put on each item. So in that example I gave you, a million boxes of pins, I need to buy a million labels from Amazon at a set rate, and it, it the rate changes based on the, uh, the quantity you're buying at one time. And it looks like it's a little bit punchy here. Hopefully the recording's coming in. I'm just trying to see if I can do anything to free up resources. Bear with me just a moment. So my point being that uh, when you have this transparency, when you have these individual stickers, then no matter who's selling it, if they don't have the sticker, they can't sell it. So that gets rid of a bunch of hijackers. And anybody who does sell it, you can actually see if it's an authentic product. And so I love the pro program. I would say for the average seller, you should use transparency. It's a good step forward for Amazon. And, and my episode 137, I talk about that. And I've talked to guys at Amazon, by the way, where we we share some of these back and forth on like what's really impactful. And I think Project Zero is a good initiative. It's now at least two years old, maybe two and a half years old. I don't know. And various elements of it have been rolled out with uh, differing degrees of success. So let's see. So that was Tony. Um, <laughs> now it's a million dollar question, Aaron. Uh, he asked, do you think Amazon will do anything for inventory limits for veteran sellers? Uh, I can tell you that um, it doesn't it doesn't appear so. Uh, I think if you don't have your metrics in line, then you you're just like anybody else to Amazon. And I can I can you know I want to be fair to Amazon. I, I I really I criticize Amazon and I also love Amazon. So I I want to just be fair about it. They need to pick winners, people who are going to really move their inventory at a reasonable level. So I know that <laughs> we got into a discussion on a recent podcast where it's like, oh, this IPI is just some random number. And it's not a random number. Let's be honest. It's it's their way of calculating if you're moving stuff. And it's a relative index. You might think it's moving double as fast as it did last year, but Amazon's only looking at it in aggregate you know, based on their overall community. And so they're like, if if you can't hit these metrics and everybody else who's above the line can, and they only have a certain amount of space, they're just going to get rid of the people who can't manage their inventory well. And I, you know, I, I kind of harp on this issue 
you know, but I started talking about this maybe three or four years ago, probably four years ago now. And I did a podcast for uh, my good buddy, Ben Cummings. And I know that I know that his users are like, why would you send inventory anywhere besides Amazon? That was basically my presentation. I guess I missed that point where I, I gave him a presentation. I said, hey, you need to get good at inventory. You need to have a staging warehouse. You need to understand 3P uh, logistics centers. You need to figure out how it all works together. And more or less, they're like, eh, I just send it to Amazon. It's easier, right? And Amazon got tired of us hitting the easy button, and they want us to actually be good at it. And I think that is the point of Amazon making these changes. So, uh, okay, so let's see here. So uh, Cameron asked a question. It looks like a long question, so I'm going to read it out loud for everybody. Biggest thing we're trying to figure out is whether or not to take a ton of time to set up an FBM plan B in both US and UK for Q4. We're in toys, so pretty big volume for Q4. In fact, I would venture a guess to say, Cameron, that like 80% of your sales are probably in Q4. Uh, I kind of figure that if FBA is uh, messed up, FBM will be as well as with, oh, if FBA is messed up, FBM will be as well with carrier issues. But that's not the only issue, Cameron. I'm going to come back to that. FBM shipping costs with 3PLs will also be very low margin compared to FBA fees. Uh, kind of just want to roll the dice with FBA. So fair enough. So Cameron basically says, uh, why bother going to FBM? And, and forgive me, Cameron, for paraphrasing here, but why bother setting up an FBM network and all that stuff? Because margins less because you can't ship as cheap as Amazon can. And, um, you know, the, the complexity is more. And, you know, what, maybe the juice ain't worth the squeeze. And for you, maybe that's true, Cameron. I, I don't make the decision for every individual. Uh, but we've seen Amazon not checking in stock for 30, 40, even 60 days from shipments into FBA. And I don't want to take that risk. Just to put the brakes on, uh, you know, kind of your uh, rolling the dice mentality for a minute and go, what happens if you ship stuff in and they check it in in February? How does that make the Q4 look, right? That's that's a risk that that I just, I can't afford to take. And ultimately, that's kind of what I'm talking about is the risks that we can afford to take. Now, that doesn't mean we want to get nuts with, you know, maybe, uh, by the way, it's freaking middle of September, setting up a Q4 FBM structure may be too late now, in, in, you know, in, in all reality. I don't think it's the carriers that are the problem. I think it's the throughput in Amazon that's the problem. And carriers, if they have a problem, that's independent and separate from the Amazon problems. I don't want to say that carriers have no problems. USPS is losing stuff. Almost like that. that is their mission statement. We're here to lose more stuff. Uh, they, you know, for the last 10 years, they've been, they went from crap to great to really close to crap again. And so I would be very careful if you're using USPS on any huge volume, especially high ticket items. Uh, so Cameron, uh, to, to finalize there, I don't think that carriers are the only issue. Uh, in fact, that's not the main issue Amazon's trying to solve. They are trying to solve cubic availability. They're trying to solve pick and pack slots. Uh, they're just trying to solve the bottleneck of too much stuff in too limited of physical storage capacity. And that means getting it in. That means getting it out. That means all the picking and packing that goes along with it. So it's a complex problem. I personally think um, 
fulfillment by merchant is is necessary for my business, but I'm not a Q4 specialty. So I, I, I can't speak to your business. I certainly would never make decisions for you other entrepreneurs. But for my business, I need 3P logistics centers because without them, I cannot conduct business. And I, I will tell you that Amazon, especially during the pandemic, they are not penalizing you nearly as hard as they were. And in most categories, you can still pull Amazon shipping on those. So it, it may not be as great as FBA because there is a shipping hit to you instead of it being part of the Amazon Prime uh, customer cost, right? You're, you're moving some of that cost over to you, but you can adjust your pricing if you need to. But anyway, for me, FBM is, is very, very important. Um, Aaron's got a question here. Uh, <clears throat> do you agree with Kevin King that 200 quantity limits are here to stay? Well, first of all, let's, let's explain what this is. So if you have a new item on Amazon, they set your initial FBA limit to 200. And, and it's not just a simple 200 either. It's not like you send in 200 and if it sells that day, you can send in more. There's kind of like a weekly uh, refresh period or, or algorithmic review of the, the process. And then, then the limits can be um, going up and up and up. Uh, my my feeling is yes, uh, the the limits are here for some period of time, longer than we want them to be, but not forever. Uh, so hopefully that puts me in agreement with my good buddy Kevin King. Uh, and by the way, for those keeping score at home, Kevin and I are going to be doing a live hangout, especially for products of Ons VIP customers on Wednesday, at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Don't miss it. All right, Martin's asking a question. He says. Hey, I've been trying to improve my IPI score by doing a lot of giveaways, and I don't see any improvement, any suggestions. Um, well, it's hard to say without mathematics uh, whether, you know, why it's not having an impact. So <laughs> fundamentally, to improve your IPI score, you got to improve your movement. So if giveaways aren't getting the job done, uh, maybe lower your price or here's a thought, lower your inventory that's inside of Amazon. Uh, I know that there's, you know, if you take it out, you can't send it back in or there's costs or time or many, many problems with that. But uh, I would focus on selling it through at aggressive, aggressive prices, even break even prices until you get your IPI where it needs to be because the rates they charge are huge, hugely onerous. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous. Uh, uh, some of the, the costs that we've seen for some of our friends. Uh, and then Martin says, um, do you have any suggestions for good 3PLs for FBM? So, yeah, we use some. They are very, very busy and only take uh, people who are kind of referred to them. Uh, Martin, I think you have a connection to Empowery, uh, the Empowery.com e-commerce cooperative. Uh, so I would reach out to Melissa and get an introduction or two from her because it's – the, the best places are really, really busy. And, uh, and so it's, it's not, it's not as easy. It was a, a year ago. Let's say there are plenty of folks, but there are lots of constraints and, and they're adding more and more requirements. I do want to, uh, spend a quick minute. So one of my, uh, one of the three PLs that I use, I said, you know, you guys should get rid of some of your, your small guys. <laughs> I know everybody who's small, who's hearing this is like, Oh, Steve's part of the problem. Uh, but I'm talking about people, I said, you know, you don't even have to get rid of them, but just send them a bill. It's like $50 a month minimum, 
right? Because I saw them sending out bills for $7 and $14 to some of their small customers. And I'm like, it doesn't even pay you guys to send out a bill. You can't send out a bill for $7 and stay in business. You, you know, you got you to have some reason to make this worthwhile. And at least a $50 minimum bill would force them to either take a look at their inventory eventually or to get it out of there. And they said, yeah, we tried that with a $25 minimum and we got yelled at by some small sellers. And I'll just tell you, if you're not doing you know, enough to rationalize a $25 bill at a 3PL, they should fire you immediately um, because it, it's not worth it. Uh, 3PLs can be very inexpensive, but they don't make money on storage. They make money on shipping and receiving and so forth. So be realistic about your expectations. And Martin, um, Melissa at Empowery.com, she can get you squared away. All right, Brett wants to uh, challenge the conventional wisdom here that I'm throwing out. Actually, my wisdom is not conventional. He says, um, why use a 3PL if you live in the USA? You can save so much money doing it yourself. Okay, Brett, um, you're not wrong. If you want to ship stuff, that means you don't have to pay somebody. Keep it in your garage, your basement, your maybe you have your own warehouse. I don't know. There's an argument for that, but I just start asking you, all right, what happens when you're sick? What happens when you go on vacation? Um, there's, you know, what happens when you have 500 SKUs or 100 SKUs or more stock than your garage can hold? I have no problem with people shipping stuff if they want to. I just don't think it's a systemic solution. And I also don't think that you as an entrepreneur should waste your time doing that stuff. You know, if we back up for a minute, remember, we're all CEOs here, or at least we're, we're learning to be CEOs. If we're spending our time on non-value added stuff, like if we can't rationalize why it's it's cheaper to pay a, a an FBA center a buck 50 for a pick pack and and ship you know maybe the shipping is paid by the customer maybe there's some subsidy but you know if we can't pay somebody you know buck 50 two bucks a, a shipment our, our business model is not right well you know we've got to figure it out and it's got to get stronger than that so I I certainly don't say no to that bread I think that's a reasonable consideration especially if we're you know you're in a kind of hunker down mode, right? It, it, there's plenty of people who need to cut costs. That's a fine short-term scenario. Long-term, it, it would never work for my businesses. Um, I want people who have forklifts, who have you know, uh, storage, who can flex with me. Uh, I don't want to have to come in on weekends or holidays or any of the rest of it and deal with a bunch of shipments. We got a huge amount of shipments from Friday night over the weekend. And our 3PL shipped all that stuff, and I didn't have to do anything. So I, I get the, the question, and I will just, full disclosure, I've shipped a ton of stuff myself, both out of my house and out of my own warehouses. But uh, 3PLs are a cheaper way to do it with no fixed overhead. That's the best part of a, a 3PL. Uh, and Cameron says, cool, you're right. We're about 50, 60% Q4. So that's nice, Cameron, that you actually have half, uh, plus or minus half your business in the rest of the year. Uh, I do know some toy guys that it literally from November one to December is 75, 80% of their sales. So it's really good to have a toy mix. Um, and I hope all is well with you too, sir. Thank you, uh, Brett and, uh, Cameron. And so, uh, oh, Martin's jumping in. And so Martin is talking about uh, a response to Brett's question. And he says, yeah, depends on the volume of orders. And I, I want to say, again, if you're saying, hey, I want to solve a problem short term, ship stuff yourself, do whatever you got to do. 
I love that scrappiness, right? We do whatever it takes. Uh, but if you're trying to build a business and you spend an hour a day or two hours a day or even a half an hour a day shipping your own stuff, that's a half an hour you're not doing other stuff. Uh, okay, so Brett says, uh, so I'm going to read you what he says and then I'll tell you how I interpret it because <laughs> I'm uh, insane. Uh, Brett says, not challenging it, but have gained equity in my building and real estate, but it was very crazy during COVID. So again, I, I'm not against having equity or building your own warehouses or what have you. All of that is fine and real estate can have equity, uh, but it can also have negative uh, situations. Right now, commercial real estate has pressure, right? It has a lot of pressure. And I suppose residential real estate may face some pressure too. This is my own speculation. So the, the, the core question comes down to if you're going to ship your own stuff, I think that's a waste of your personal time. But if you say, well, I want to set up my own fulfillment operation, that's fine. Ultimately, that's the cheapest way to do fulfillment if you're not doing it inside of an Amazon uh, scenario.
Oh, okay. Hey, how about now? Is now as we got sound? Oh, see, thank you guys. So it turns out that when I coughed, I hit the cough button and I didn't unclick it. So my apologies. Thanks for the, the shout outs. Uh, I was asking, can you guys hear me? And you couldn't hear me ask the question, could you hear me? So uh, here we go. So um, anyway, Martin uh, uh, took off. And so I say, see you later, Martin, to kind of repeat that. Uh, Facebook user, uh, who I don't know, asked if I found good warehouse management software. And the answer to that is yes. And it's complicated. Um, but yes, we are, in fact, um, messing around with uh, some of those things. So we actually have a version of Parsimony that's, that's oriented towards 3PLs. And some of the customizations include, um, you know, barcode scanning, all that kind of stuff, um, managing individual inventories for different uh, users, allowing the users or the customers to be able to check in and check stock and things like that, full integration with sh ShipStation and things like that. So a lot of things there. Um, and we'll talk more about that if, the, if we see interest from uh, 3PL providers. Uh, so thanks, guys, for the, the sound issue. Uh, my apologies on uh, hitting the button. So I'm not sure where I ended my soliloquy about 3PLs, but uh, let's assume that I've uh, finished that. Uh, okay, so if you guys have any questions, please jump in now with questions. By the way, if you guys don't know, Regina has a podcast. Let's see if I can get the, uh, the uh, website address. It's like... Uh, Amazon on women or women on Amazon. Oh, that sounds a little tawdry, Regina. I, maybe I've got it wrong. Uh, what is the name of your podcast, Regina? Put that in here. I'm searching for it, if you don't mind as well, everybody. So give me a women on Amazon. Yeah, women on Amazon. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Chuck and the gang. Gosh, I feel uh, foolish because I was talking the whole time. And let me just say, those were the pearls of wisdom that you did not want to miss. Can't even recreate them. They were that good. Uh, it's a shame. That's going to be a really weird gap in the audio version of this. I'll have to figure out how to deal with that. So women on Amazon, you can go to Apple Podcasts. I'm going to put in the link here uh, for Regina. She's super brilliant, and uh, everybody should pay attention to what she has to say. Uh, I would like to know what you guys' number one problem is. Maybe share that with me. What's the number one thing that you're worried about right now um, as it relates to your business? doesn't have to be Amazon-specific. It can be HR. It can be anything you want it to be. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> CEOs have a lonely job, right? Uh, you can be surrounded by people all dang day, but CEOs have a lonely job because uh, this will sound like a song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Uh, it is hard for people to really understand the challenges a CEO face, right? Most often, people are not in the same, they don't have the same weight on your shoulders. Any of you guys feel like you have a weight on your shoulders and you're walking around trying to figure out, well, what's the next move? And you know, what's going to happen with my stock? And what about inventory? Can I make this bed? Is Q4 going to go? Okay. What happens with COVID, right? All of these things, they just kind of keep weighing you down. And so these types of things are, um, well, this is why I love going to conferences because when we're at conferences, we have a lot of just random conversations with people. 
And these conversations can be anything from, you know, I, I made this hire, it was amazing, or I made this hire and it was terrible, don't do this. Or I use this ad strategy and it was great. Uh, or I use this ad strategy and I hated it. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we're missing at, uh, you know, without our travel. And I suppose that there will be a time where those conferences and things come back. But, you know, every now and again, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go down to Cancun, Mexico, because they are desperate for tourists. And I'm going to hang out for two weeks or three weeks. And, uh, you know, whoever wants to show up can show up and we'll just talk about business. Uh, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. I see a lot of people uh, with the same concept of, you know, wanting to get out or meet up with folks. And, you know, I think you could do it in a reasonably safe way. The number one thing I wish we had is frick fragging tests. Why can't we get tests so we can just, you know, 20 of us can show up somewhere, get tests, and it's like everybody's clean. Uh, let's keep it tight. You know, let's keep the group tight and uh, not have any problems. But uh, anyway, my, my point is I'm missing seeing all of you guys face-to-face -face and hanging out with you and enjoying some of the conversations and learning. For goodness sake, the learning. I learn constantly from you guys, and I actually it helps me put the puzzle pieces together. Uh, I remember Steve Jobs had some. I'm not going to get the quote right, but the the general philosophy was, you know, you don't see how the dots line up until the after they're you know they're all lined up, right? So right now, well, the stars behind me, you, there's just a bunch of points. Right. But somewhere in there, I guess I can't do it because I'm reversed, but you connect those those stars and there's uh, your next move, your a business plan or whatever it is. And those are the types of things that uh, that fall into place for me, especially when I go to these events. So, you know, last year I was all over the world multiple times. I, I don't know how many revolutions around the world, but uh, it was definitely uh, a lot. And I was off to a great start at the beginning of this year. You know, beginning of this year, I was in New York and did some events there. And then I went and I went to, you know, uh, Italy and Israel and all across the Middle East. It was, it, you know, it was a, a, a wonderful thing. And March 8th, I came back from Dubai and that was the last plane trip I took. It was uh, a nightmare. So, uh, okay. So somebody here is Facebook user. They're asking a question. So, there's some permission, Facebook user, uh, some permission you have to give to StreamYard to, to say your name on here. So right now, I apologize. I can't, I don't know who you are, but I'll just try to do my best on your question. So it says, I'm selling jumpsuits. Returns are my biggest problem. There's no standard size of jumpsuits in the US. People buy according to their regular jacket size. And then... Uh, Facebook user says they return with a negative review. So here, here's the deal. Uh, whomever you are, apparel has this problem, right? Because, uh, and by the way, I don't know where you're from or where you're sourcing this stuff from, but often the sizes of your target market versus your where you bought the stuff from are vastly different. So you call something a large, you call something of this or that, unless you quantify it, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I, I understand people return stuff and you don't like it and that sucks. And then they write a negative review, which sucks harder, right? That's uh, that's like a sequel to sucking. You had, it sucks. That was terrible. Sucks harder. That's the sequel. And it's, it's worse as all sequels tend to be. 
My point is you've got to talk to these customers and figure out what the, the standard problem is. If they say the size is too small because they bought based on this, whatever the problem is, it, it there is a pattern to that. We just talked about the you can't connect the dots. Well, this is one you can connect the dots. I, I can tell you there's absolutely a pattern. Somebody's buying something based on the information they have, and then they're returning it because they're disappointed about the results. Those are things that are solvable, but you got to talk to your customers, find out, you know, uh, go find your last 10 returns and or 20 returns and ask them, Hey, when you, when you saw the product online, what, and I'm talking about, you see, I, I did this. This is the old person's version of a phone. Okay. If you're watching on video, I'm holding well, if you're watching on video, you can see if you're listening to audio, I got my pinky out and my thumb out and I'm holding up to my 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 uh, mouth and my ear. That's the old person's way. A, a kid, they just hold their hand up because phones are a, a brick like that. So whichever way you call them and you say, hey, I really want to tell you uh, how much I appreciate your business. I thank you for your business. And I want to tell you how sorry I am that that it didn't work out. We're so sorry that, that didn't work out, but we want to solve this for other customers. And I'm happy to send you a free one uh, just for answering a few questions. If you have a moment, I would like to figure out what we, where we went wrong, right? And just be completely vulnerable. And don't think about how bad returns suck or the sequel to returns, a return and a negative review, uh, you know, being negative and sucking. Think about how can you solve this? And I'll tell you, we had a problem. We had a, a a product we were getting, you know, our, our average in that particular business, consumer electronics was maybe 8% and maybe 5%. I don't know, but we were running 25% on this one product. And we're like, what? there's nothing wrong with this product. It's great. And we finally did exactly what I just told you to do. We reached out to customers and we talked to them and they, I, we said, you know, what made you return this? Uh, and they're like, oh, well, when we got it, the instruction said it was for a different version of the product that I have, a different device. And we're like, oh, well, it, it works. Yeah, I mean, the instructions say that version, but it works on any version. They're like, yeah, well, I saw the version I didn't have, and so I returned it, right? So th there are things that people do because of stimuli that we give them as the, as the merchant, as the brand, as the seller, that they're not really responsible for. And the moment we fix that, returns drop down to the normal rate, if not below. So it is, it's a huge opportunity for you to, you know, to talk to your customers, figure out, you know, how to get a, a, a proper way of selling to them. And just also know that apparel has very high return rates. If you don't bake that into your, your uh, selling price, you're going to, you'll be sad. It, it will not make money if you don't know that. Hui, my good buddy, uh, he's probably in Vietnam, I suppose. Definitely missing the conferences, Steve. Hanging out with you has always been great. The learning is incredible. Uh, that sounds like a five-star review that should be left on awesomers.com, Apple Podcasts. Um, good to see you, buddy. I uh, miss you, too, and uh, I hope you're staying safe over there. Uh, Constantine has uh, thrown his hat in the, the ring and says, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So he's much better at quoting Steve Jobs than I am. Well done, Constantine. Uh, if only I had a brain. Uh, I feel like the scarecrow sometimes, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, a scarecrow who just needs a brain. Um, how many of you guys, I wonder, feel a little disconnected during these uh, COVID times 
uh, whether it's related to your business, whether it relates to, you know, the Amazon experience or the uh, conferences. I, I'm just curious if I'm the only one feeling like this or uh, if there's other people who uh, dislike it. If, if you like COVID, raise your hand. If you don't like it, tell me and tell me what you don't like about it. Uh, okay, I want to just uh, – thanks for the likes and the, the little hearts and stuff. I don't know what that does. Uh, and uh, Constantine, I think he's uh, sending me a message that says, you and me both, which means he's also feeling the uh, the, co the corona side effects. Um, and it's it's not corona-rific. It's corona-horrific, or as I like to say, uh, craptacular. That is uh, patent pending. Trademark pending on that. Uh, maybe I actually stole that from the Simpsons. I don't know. Uh, okay, so I'm going to wrap it up here, gang. Uh, if you guys have questions, get them in real quick. Um, I'll probably do you know, one or more of these in the in the upcoming days, just because I'm I'm way overburdened with work, and I also am bored out of my mind because I can't see and talk to my friends. And by the way, um, on the next one, I'll anybody who wants to jump on here, and if uh, if I at least know you well enough that you're vetted, then I, I'll get you on the on the the podcast as well, and we'll just talk business, have a little roundtable. Uh, if you guys have final questions, now's the time to get them in. I may put I'll put up the recordings of this anyway at awesomers.com/slash one nine six. That's a hundred ninety six episodes in. And this one happened to be a Backtalk Live episode where answered some of your questions, talked about some of the news. You know, there's a lot of news I haven't talked about. I alluded to the uh, FTC anti-monopoly stuff that's happening with Amazon and some of the Senate hearings. Uh, <laughs> it's really remarkable to see some of that happen. We don't have time to get into it now. There's uh, things happening with regard to Amazon and reviews. Did you guys catch the, the news in the UK that nine out of 10 top reviewers were basically caught with their hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. And by the, by that, I mean, nine of the 10 top reviewers were basically selling the product they were reviewing, possibly getting compensation on the backside and just completely working the system 1000% against terms of service. But they uh, like literally one of the guys would review something and then you'd also see him have a listing for it on eBay. And he has the audacity to say, Oh no, no, that was just the same item that I got somewhere else. <laughs> like we're all morons. Uh, I just can't even believe it. Uh, uh, Brett uh, says, thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, I've always did FBM wanted to learn the three PL way. Yeah. I think, uh, listen, Brett, I think it's great. I do think FBA still has a place, um, especially for fast movers. Uh, Amazon is, they're always going to, uh, give preference to the ways they make the most money, but, uh, I'm glad that you're, you know, you're doing it the, uh, the old fashioned way. And I really do want you guys to learn skills without worrying about, you know, how to apply those skills. I, I want you to have context. I want you to have the, the broad strokes of how e-commerce works. I want you to have the understanding of how Amazon works. But I also don't want you guys doing those jobs forever, right? There's a, like I could not clear a customs a, a container of customs to save my life at this stage. Like I, I just can't. I don't. I don't even know where to begin now. If if it fell to me somehow, I would figure it out. 
but my team in the you know uh, product importation department, they know all that stuff. They figure it out. And we have lots and lots of containers coming in every week, every month. And I don't, I, that's their thing to think about. They make the processes. They make the procedures. It shouldn't rely on me to figure it all out. So uh, anyway, everybody, I appreciate you guys. I miss you guys. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go and uh, go to the Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast, but Apple uh, leaves a lot of weight, and leave a five-star review for Osmers.com. You know, I, I I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's because I love uh, entrepreneurs, and especially those entrepreneurs who are either awesomers now or, you know, aspiring to be awesomers. Uh, I think you can all be awesomers if you're not already, and uh Good, good Lord, we could uh, use some awesome breaks here. So I'll see you guys soon. Thank you again, one and all. And uh, don't forget, subscribe, share, uh, send a little love with those star ratings and the hearts and all that stuff. Makes me feel good. Appreciate you, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye.